So yeah, great questions. And the reason that I'm saying same question to all of these questions is because they were all the same question. Different aspects of the same question. Something along the lines of how do I deal with the mind? The mind that moves, that things are coming up in. There's things that come up that maybe I don't want to come up or that are difficult. Um, or I want there to be nothing coming up in the mind. I want there to be peace in the mind. Um, but instead, there's other stuff happening. So how to navigate that? What to do? What kind of relationship? What kind of tools? Um, how to be within the mind when it's not doing what you want it to do? And how to get it to do what you do want it to do? That be a fair summary of everyone's questions at once? And if I'm off, feel free to kind of interject. So. Um, <clears throat> so this kind of fits well with what I was thinking about talking about tonight, also a little bit. Um, as these things usually happen, I feel like the group is a collective of all of our intentions for being here, so that's nice. So on my way over here, I was listening to a talk from one of my teachers. And he was a monk that lived in Thailand. And while he was in Thailand, he had the chance to practice under these really great forest monks. So these monks that would go live and practice in the forests and the jungles of Thailand. And their practice was very strict. They would, you know, just live kind of in these far off places. And um, they would meditate on death by going and finding tiger tracks in the jungle and going and sitting in the tiger tracks and saying, Okay, what does this feel like to think that at any moment this tiger could jump on me? Or, um, you know, they, they sewed their own robes. They went out for alms. Um, every day they'd go begging into the villages to get food and then retreat back into the forest. And, you know, they really were these tough guys that just lived out in the middle of nowhere, just them and the elements, and really simplified their lives as much as possible, but also thereby were completely open to this experience of life and nature and allowed themselves to be so vulnerable that they could understand what is life actually about, what's really going on. And on top of that, having that kind of seclusion, it also breeds a kind of peace, eventually, if you're practicing. And it really lets you get into these really deep states of, um, of meditation, that you're so far secluded physically that also your mind can become secluded as well. It can really concentrate and come to these really beautiful states of meditation when you're all alone. And he was saying that when he went to the monastery of one of these really high older monks, um, this kind of accomplished master, and he went and he paid respects and he kind of sat down and this old Thai monk, he gave him a, a little talk, a little teaching. And the Thai monk actually told a story about his own life. And this old Thai monk, his name's Mahabua, Achan Mahabua, he said, you know, when he was a young monk, he was one day struck with typhus, typhoid fever, which happens in those parts of the world. And typhoid fever, it's you, you know, you're sweating, you're weak, you're dizzy, you have pains in your body. And he said, you know, and he kept trying to go about like normal, even though he had this typhoid fever. And he, you know, was getting very weak and very, very sick. And, you know, he thought, you know, I'm, I'm going to be a good monk. I'm going to go against this, right? 
it doesn't matter, the body's aching and my mind's going crazy, and, but I'm going to still practice regardless because that's how to get enlightenment. That's how to be like a Buddha, to practice through everything. And he kind of weakly stumbled and he picked up a broom and he opened his hut door and he went outside and he started trying to sweep the leaves away from his walking meditation path. And his master, his teacher, came by, and his teacher's name is Achan Mun. And Achan Mun looked at him, and he scolded him, and he's like, what do you think you're doing? Get back in bed, you idiot. And he got back into his room, and he lay in bed, and Achan Mun came, and he said, I'm giving a talk tonight. Be there. And he kind of laughed, you know. And that night, the, at the monastery, Achan Mun, he sat, and there's all these forest monks kind of that gathered. And he gave a talk and he said, you know, there's some monks who were boxers in their past life. Because Achan Mahabua, he was a boxer before he became a monk. He was a Thai kickboxer, you know. He said there were some monks, they were boxers before they became monks. And they're still boxing now. They're still fighting. They were fighters and they're still fighting. But fighting is not the way of the Buddha. Fighting is not the way to practice. He said the way to practice is to investigate. It's to look and try to understand what is happening and why. If we look closely at our lives, we'll see that a lot of the day, a lot of the time, we're trying to push away, we're trying to fight against the things that we don't want. And we're also trying to fight for the things that we do want. Yeah, there's a lot of fighting. There's a lot of pushing. There's a lot of force. There's a lot of passion. But where does wisdom come into play? Where does peace come into play? In that world, it doesn't. Because there's always something you want and always something you don't want. And there's always more to be had. You know, kind of bored. I want the next thing. Or there's always something that's not quite right. And, and as I was driving here, listening to this in the car, I was feeling I have kind of like a dull headache. So I went to the gym today. I started going to the gym regularly. And I did uh, squats on like kind of one of those machines with the bar. It kind of goes up and down a track. And I was resting the bar in my shoulders and doing these squats. And it was my first time doing this new set of exercises. And it was hurting, and I felt that it was actually putting a little bit too much pressure on the back of my neck, back of my shoulders. And I feel that now I'm, I have a bit of a, a headache from it. I kind of compressed it a little bit in the back of my neck, so I'm trying to stretch it out again. And as I was driving in the car with this headache, I realized that as I've been driving, I was annoyed, irritated by this headache, this throbbing headache. And I hear this talk coming through, and I just stop, and I say, yeah, that's right. I've been fighting against this headache this whole car ride. I've been not wanting it. It's been irritating me. And I said, why don't I practice and investigate it? And I just let go of trying to change it and looked at it directly, and I was like, what exactly is going on? And what's the big deal? And as soon as I said that, as soon as I changed my focus, my relationship to it, there was no more feeling of suffering. There was no more pain and there was no more irritation. There was just 
kind of like a pressure and like a throbbingness and a tingling and a heat. But there's nothing within that that I could actually call pain. When I really fully look at it and, and ask, yeah, what's the big deal? Really feel this. What's so bad about this? I would see that there's pressure, there's heat, there's tingling, there's kind of like this like rough feeling, but there's nothing that's called pain when I'm actually looking at it. But when I'm not looking at it, there's almost this very basic conceptualization that I do, that I feel this thing, headache, it's painful, I don't want it, and then I'm kind of irritated and pushing against it. So there's all these extra levels that happen just automatically. Like, oh, that's called pain. Pain's not good. I don't want pain. And as I was pushing away this feeling of pain, I noticed also that my stomach was getting tight. That by not wanting this, I was tightening up in my stomach, and I was getting like that hot and bothered feeling. You know when you get like hot? Maybe hot and bothered means something else. But you know when you get kind of like irritated and you feel like, like heat in your body? Um, when you're angry, also you get hot. It's like this heat comes out, this fire. But it was this feeling of almost this irritation and annoyance, and it was almost this heat, emotional heat, fire coming through. And I just watched this whole progression that something that's literally just some pressure and tingling, without my awareness on it, without my mindfulness, without investigation, is something called pain, which is then something that I don't want, because there's something now happening that I don't want, my body and my mind are reacting to it, and they're becoming defensive. But I'm becoming defensive to something that is inside of my body that I'm feeling, so it kind of just creates this vicious cycle that it just gets more kind of annoying and more strong in my awareness, and the stronger it gets, the more I don't want it to be there. You know, and if you look on a psychological level, this is what trauma is about. This is what depression is about, right? This is a feeling, something, a pain, something in you that you don't want. So you're trying to push it away, but it's like trying to push away one of your fingers, right? It's attached to the hand. It doesn't really go anywhere. So you try to push away these things you don't want to feel, but you can't run away from yourself. You can't push yourself away. You're still there. So you just create this gap which just feels kind of like empty and kind of hollow and lonely and sad. And you don't really feel much anymore because you're pushing away your feelings because your feelings are painful. There's a painful feeling you don't want. And if you talk to people that are depressed, that's kind of how they describe it. It's kind of this heavy, empty, there's really nothing there. They would love to be able to feel again, but there's no access to their feelings. And it's because they're just not aware of that mechanism. It's just been going on for too long that it's invisible, right? That they don't even see that actually they're just holding their feelings at a distance because the feelings are painful. They don't want to feel them. And that's why a lot of people, when they start to come out of depression, what comes out often is anger, right? Because first of all, you're just starting to feel again. And then you have to feel all that pain, all that discomfort. A lot of those people are angry at themselves, too, for having kept themselves in that for so long. Or they're, blaming somebody else for whatever they did that caused it or, you know, then they have to go through this whole process of healing and feeling and all of this. 
So changing this relationship from wanting and not wanting to investigation. An investigation can look a few different ways. Investigation can whether be you're just investigating something on the bodily level, on the level of sensation. So like I was saying, as I was sitting here, I was feeling this headache, this throbbing, this pain, right? So to investigate a physical sensation, a bodily sensation, you just put your mind to it and you really look and say, what is actually going on there? What is this? So then there's another level, which would be to start investigating emotional and start investigating mental, we'll say phenomena, so to say, just to put it in a big category. And I've talked about these and other groups, like if we're sitting here meditating and you're feeling like, oh, I'm not doing it right, or I need to try more, or oh, I'm getting frustrated, or I should just quit, or meditation's not for me, and this whole kind of doubting mind, and then being too hard on yourself, and then you know, pushing it away or trying to pull it in, it's not, nothing's working, and kind of this whole self-destructive mental thing some people get into, right, that you're kind of inside of it. But if you just, again, take this moment to investigate that, you look at it and you say, you know, what am I doing? How do, do I, am I sure that I'm not good at meditation? Am I sure this isn't going to work for me? What is this from? Why do actually I always feel like I'm not good enough? or I'm not doing it right, or I'm supposed to be doing more? Why do I actually carry that feeling all day long? Where does that come from? What is that mechanism, that program that's running in me that I'm believing and listening to and identifying with? But what is that? Really look it. I had a talk with my um, girlfriend a couple days ago, so I also am an energy healer, so I give group energy healing, so in yoga studios and things, people come, everyone lays down, and I channel energy, and it's, it's really cool events. Um, there's one on Friday, we were saying. And my teacher that I learned this from, he's in India, so I learned this in, in the Himalayas up in India. And my teacher, he's a really good friend of mine, his name's Danny. And he contacted me, you know, a couple months ago and said that he was actually really feeling um, drawn to come and visit the States. He's originally Israeli and been lived in South Africa for a while now, in India. And I said, yeah, like, let me feel into that and see. And I went to a, a yoga studio recently, and the woman who owns the studio, I gave a healing there. And she's like, you know, I'd really love to learn this from you. And I'd, if you want to hold a training here, that would be great, something like this. And I was like, oh, OK, here we go. And I, so I wrote to Danny, you know, and I said, hey, I think I have a studio that'd be interested. And he sent me back a message. And he sat and he said, you know, that's great. You know, I'd love to come, and maybe we could, you know, see how that works, maybe we could have a couple studios. Or... So he just kind of gave me this message of spinning some ideas. And when I listened to this message, I sat down next to my girlfriend and I pressed play and I just played it and just let her hear it without any context. And she kind of looks at me and her brow furrows and she's like, so what? He's just gonna live with us for a month? Like you'd think you'd wanna ask me that first? Isn't that something we should probably talk about together? I just hear this guy in a weird accent talking, and now what, we're gonna pick him up? Do we have to feed him? Are we gonna be paying for him? And I kind of stopped the message, and I looked at her, and I said, what are you doing? And she's like, yeah, well, I just figured you'd wanna to talk to me before you did something like this. And I kind of just looked at her again, and I said, do something like what? Yeah, like plan this whole thing with this guy, and he's gonna be here, and all this, you know? And I looked at her again, and I said, 
let's open this up and look at what are the assumptions that you're holding right now? What are you assuming in this situation? And she kind of stopped and looked, and she's like, yeah, well, that he's going to come here and live with us. And I said, assumption one, that, you know, you don't even talk to me about this. Assumption two, that we're going to be taking care of him and doing all this, and we don't even have enough money. How are we going to take care of him? Assumption three, that because he's your teacher, you have to take care of him. Assumption four. And I kind of put those in front of her, and I explained one by one, you know, I don't expect him to be living here with us. I'm doing this because I want to, not because I'm obligated. I'm playing this message for you because I am including you in this. That I went through and I just opened up each assumption and I said, none of those were right. And as soon as she saw that, she just kind of laughed and she's like, wow, you know, I do that a lot. I was like, yeah, you do. <laughs> Relationships, right? And that's kind of the true meaning, if you want, even of Vipassana, if you will. That's the true meaning of really observing, looking deeper, investigating. Because in a single moment, she was just angry. And if I was not, you know, in my center in that moment, I would just start fighting back with her. Right? How many times in our lives, especially in relationships and in families and things, you get in these really powerful, strong arguments with people, and it was based off a complete misunderstanding. It's like you're talking in two different directions. It's like the other person's not even hearing you, and they're saying you're not even hearing them. And you're like, yeah, I'm hearing you, but you're not, you know. And because, you know, I thankfully have some years of meditation under my belt, I guess, when I felt that anger coming from her, instead of fighting back, I said, let's investigate this. What exactly is going on? If there's something in there that we get to that I realize is my fault and I've done something, then right away I'll admit it and say, oh, sorry, you're right. You're right, I own that. That was my fault, sorry. But if there's nothing that's my fault, if I didn't actually do anything, what a great opportunity for somebody to see, wow, I just created this firestorm based off of logs that I built this bonfire and these logs are just assumptions. That you could just peel those logs off one by one and none of them are real and then there's actually no fire there. And I thought, you know, how interesting also because this is a mechanism, this is a program. This is a form of, I don't know what, self-protection maybe. Um, a lot of us do this in different ways. That we build up a whole kind of story and we're fighting against reacting to that story without really knowing if that story's true or not, without maybe asking some questions instead of just reacting, jumping right in. So using meditation also in this way, that when things come up inside of us and as well as in others, that we start to really look at it and we start to kind of pick it apart and ask what's going on. And I used the word vipassana before, maybe some of you are unfamiliar with that, so that's kind of a Buddhist terminology. And the kind of meditation I usually do in here, it's called samatha or samadhi, which is about absorption. So it's, that's the mind coming to a calm, the mind coming to stillness, the mind unifying. That's the way that I teach meditation, right? That we're bringing the mind in to a certain point. Vipassana, it's about discerning. 
It's about using that kind of calm, open, collected mind and really investigating things, understanding them, gaining insights and wisdom and opening things up. So there's these things actually called Vipassana retreats, which were started by a man named Goenka, and he's Burmese. And there are Vipassana centers all over the world. The first one in the US was actually in Shelburne Falls, Mass. And these are retreats, and they're free. And you go there for 10 days, and they house you, and they feed you. And it's usually like 100 people or something, or 50 or whatever. And then they give you teachings, and then you sit in meditation for 10 hours a day. So you do like one hour meditation, break, one hour, break, one hour, break. Go to bed, wake up, meditate, break, meditate, break. So they kind of say like, here's the give and take here. We'll bring you in and we'll give you a place to stay, we'll give you food, it's all free, but we're gonna make you meditate 100 hours in 10 days. Um, I did one of these retreats while I was in India, while I was in Dharamsala, up on a, on a hillside. And it's a lot of time to be sitting there with yourself. I don't know if any of you struggle with your 20-minute meditations, but when you're sitting for 100 hours, pretty much anything that can happen does happen. Good and bad, both sides. And I remember I was sitting there in meditation and, you know, it comes and goes and sometimes I'm in this great bliss and it's so beautiful and I have this great smile and I'm so peaceful and wow, it's all happening. And then kind of five minutes later, I'm really bored and I'm irritated and it's like, you know, like, is this over soon? Are they going to ring the bell? I want to get out of here, you know? It's so funny how just quickly it flips, right? Um, but then you think about everything possible. So I was sitting there and at one point, you know, in the middle somewhere, I, thought about my father and I remembered an argument that we had probably, you know, 20 years before that or something, like when I was a kid. And I was sitting there, you know, fighting with my dad in my head in the meditation hall, so to say. And I decided, oh, this is a great opportunity to investigate what is going on. And I, you know, my immediate thought was, well, he's just a jerk. That's what's going on. I was like, okay, well, let's look a little deeper, right? And then I said, yeah, well, he said this, and it really hurt, and that's why, you know, then I got yelled back at him. And I was like, oh, so is it that he's a jerk, or is it that you felt hurt? What's the real point here? And I was like, okay, the point's I felt hurt. And I was like, well, why'd you feel hurt? You know, because I wanted to feel supported, and I wanted to feel loved, and like I was important, and I mattered, and I got something else. I got anger, I got something else. I was like, oh, okay, so... Actually, you wanted love, you wanted connection, and you got something else. So that, therein lies the problem, therein lies the mismatch, the trauma, that I wanted love and I got pain. Oops. You know? And I kind of sat there and I felt it. And I said, yeah, you know, and, and because in Vipassana, you're just scanning your body. It's a lot of scanning your body. So you're kind of going from the head down through the body getting all the sensations of the body, you go to the feet, then you go back up, then you go back down for 100 hours. So there's a lot of that, right? A lot of just scanning the body, really getting into all the details of the body, what's going on, right? Seeing how things are changing, how sensations, like if there's pain, you go into the pain and you see, oh, the pain's just made up of all these little elements and, and then all of your resistance fades away to it. 
right? So that's kind of a pasanitz. You start to get freedom through breaking things apart, and then it allows you to release them because you realize, oh, there's nothing there anyway. There's nothing to really worry about. And I used this on this argument with my father, and I went in and in, and then I felt, you know, this disappointment that I felt, and then I wanted something that I didn't get, and all of this emotional kind of energy and this emotional pain. And I went into that emotional pain, and, you know, what's going on? And then I just felt that, yeah, it made my chest feel tight, and, you know, and I was just kind of like upset, and then I kind of sat with that and sat with that, and I felt, yeah, my chest is tight. And I was like, well, relax your chest. And I relaxed my chest. And when I relaxed my chest, I just felt sad. And then I also felt, that's actually it. I just feel sad. And actually, there's really no problem other than I just feel sad. And because I don't want to feel sad, if sadness starts to arise, I get defensive and I want to fight back. Right? I want to be the boxer. I want to fight to not have to feel that sadness. And I kind of looked closely at this and I said, Seth, you know, I think that every single person that you've ever been mad at in your entire life, it's actually because you were feeling something that you didn't want to feel. I feel sad. And I projected that feeling onto that person, that you're the cause of that feeling in me. And then I attacked that projection. I attacked that person. I blamed them for my feelings. Whereas all that was actually happening is that there's this feeling of sadness that I didn't want. And I realized this, and I felt like such a jerk. And I realized, oh God, the jerk is me. Because my entire life I have been fighting against other people when I was actually just fighting against myself that there was a feeling that I didn't want and I was fighting against the world to not have to feel it. And it was this huge breakthrough and I really just felt like an idiot afterwards because I was able to break it apart to its most basic elements of just sensations and then what we're making out of those sensations or that we want or we don't want. The kind of core teaching of the Buddha it's the 12 links of dependent origination. So the Buddha actually gave the step-by-step -step teaching on how we come to be. And this whole process of life. And in Buddhism, they talk about rebirth and what that's about. And within that process, that rebirth process, they say that when the body kind of comes together, when mind and material come together, then there's this body with the six senses. Yes, we have our eyes, our ears, our nose, our tongue, our body, so we have, and the mind. They say the mind is the sixth sense, Buddhism. Right? It takes in sensory information. So you have these senses, and as soon as there's a sense, there's contact, right? As soon as you have a body that can feel, it starts feeling things. You start contacting. You're in contact with the ground, feeling this. Your ears, as soon as you have an ear sense, it starts picking up sounds, right? You have eyes. As soon as you have eyes, what happens? They start seeing. You start making contact to visual information. So there's a sense organ, 
And because there's a sense organ, we, are, we get contacted. Those sense organs get touched. Whenever a sense organ gets touched, what arises is a feeling, a sensation. Those sensations can feel good. Those sensations cannot feel good. Those sensations can be neutral, like sitting on the ground right now. It doesn't feel good or bad. It's just kind of there. Right? The carpet feels a little bit nice. The sound of the plane, it's a little bit annoying, right? So all these sensations that are bombarding us constantly, we want some, we don't want some, we like, we don't like, right? Some feel good, some don't feel good. And when something feels good or doesn't feel good, then the next step is called grasping, that the mind either grasps for it, right? Ooh, that feels good, I want more of it. Or the mind tries to push it away. Ooh, that doesn't feel good, I don't want it. And this is the very basic, basic, basic process that kind of says, because we have senses, because we can feel things, we can sense, right? I can feel the pain in my leg, I can feel this pain in my neck, or I close my eyes, and I have these thoughts and these feelings, right? This internal sensory information that I'm picking up. And I like it or I don't like it, then I want more or I don't want more. And then I start creating, doing things to get more or not get more. And this is kind of this cycle that we're going through, that we keep trying to get the things that feel good and keep trying to get away with the things that don't feel good. When you do these really deep meditations into the senses, you start to realize how everything's kind of just moving around and things are kind of flowing in and out of your body and there's really nothing to want or not want. And that's how these retreats try to kind of break up the mind. They try to take out that craving, take out that wanting, not wanting just to purely just experience the sensations of the body moving. So in the teachings, in Buddhism, and also just for meditation in general, kind of the point, it's how can we find that place of peace, how can we find that place of freedom and release by understanding clearly what there is to actually do and what there is not to do. What is a futile effort and what actually will bring us some kind of a gain or benefit. And bringing us back to the meditation specifically for this class, really understanding how all of that stuff works, you'll sit here, and if there's a thought that comes up, it doesn't really matter that much. If there's a feeling, it doesn't matter. If there's sensations in the body, it doesn't really matter. Ultimately, who cares? Yeah, things are going to come, things are going to go, whatever. Like, honestly, whatever. The only problem is our assumptions that we assume if I'm thinking I'm not meditating, if I'm thinking I'm doing it wrong, yeah, if I'm upset, if I'm hot and bothered, in whichever way you want to take that word, yeah, I'm doing it wrong, something's wrong. Yeah, these are our assumptions. This is the story that we're building around the raw data of the experience. And we're creating now a compounded misery for ourselves because we think something's happening that shouldn't be happening. Or it's not the way that we want. And one of the most basic and important teachings of this practice, it's to instead of trying to get things to be how you want them to be, it's to start turning the eye towards the wanting, not wanting mechanism itself. 
instead of trying to control everything that it's the way that you want it, outside of yourself, inside of yourself, right? We're a bunch of control freaks, right? We want everything the way we want it, outside and inside. Instead of being so focused on that, look at that mechanism itself that's trying to control, that wants and doesn't want, that thinks it knows what's best, that thinks it knows the right way to get there, that's judging everything, that's putting things into categories, right? The ego, this mind that thinks it knows everything. That's the real enemy here. That's really the thing that you need to look at. Because the most important quality of meditation, I've been talking about this a lot lately, it's actually this quality of contentment. It's this quality of really just letting go and being present with whatever's there. When John Kabat-Zinn started his mindfulness-based stress therapies in the hospitals of Boston, he went to the hospital and he said, I want to try out meditation and mindfulness on the pain clinic and the patients to see if it'll help them. And he looked at them and he said, give me the worst you've got. And he took them and he brought them down into the basement and they sat and he taught them how to change their relationship to their pain. He didn't touch them. He didn't do anything. He didn't do any medical procedures, but he taught them how to have a different relationship to their pain, how to relate differently to these sensations. And across the boards, they had huge kind of results of people that said, um, I experience much less suffering, that I feel a great relief. And that's why this is something that's taught so widely, is because we get such relief when we change our relationship to things. That we learn how to just be with things, allow things, accept things. Yeah, not be so controlly, but more be open, be flowy, be soft, be allowing. And look clearly, look carefully. Allow that space. If you're reacting, you're not allowing any space. You need to allow some space to be able to see how to move, how to proceed. So for today's meditation, I'd really like us to work on allowing that space to be here, to sit, and to let go of whatever we think we're supposed to or trying to do in this room. Because to be content, you can't be trying to do anything. If you think meditation, it's out there somewhere, you're creating a, a split. The mind's not concentrated anymore. You have some of the mind here trying to meditate, and you're projecting another part of the mind into the future, this place called meditation, the piece that you're trying to get to. Yeah. So simply by trying to get somewhere else, you're actually breaking concentration because you're splitting the mind up. So allow yourself to be just right here, wherever you are. That's simply, it's the simplest thing in the world. Just be here. And then every time the mind wanders off, it'll wander back all by itself. And every time the mind wanders back, try to be here even more deeply. Whatever's feelings are happening in your body, whatever's going on, just feel it, be with it, breathe, relax. Yeah. Allow it to settle. I swirl up the water in my cup, and then I put it down, and I let it settle. So that's all we're doing in this room. Just let it all settle. Don't try to fix anything. Don't try to resolve or solve. Just let it all settle.
So we're going to begin our